Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Welcome to the Julia Hartley Brewer Daily. If you missed any of my talk radio breakfast show, don't worry. We've put some of the punchiest bits of this morning's show into a bite-sized podcast, the Julia Hartley Brewer Daily. Enjoy. Discuss all of that right now is the Minister for School Standards, Nick Gibb. Good morning, you, Nick. Good morning, Julia. Good morning, Thank you very much. I'm hoping you're going to try and take me seriously. I've got I've got a Santa hat on while I'm interviewing you, so the video <laughs> will look rather less rather less serious than normal. But that doesn't make the the subject less serious, of course. Um, just talk through first of all the decision for schools to come back in England on a staggered basis. How is that going to work, and what's the reasoning behind it? Well, the reason is to break the uh, the uh, chain of transmission following. Uh, the Christmas period, we want to test uh, 5.5 million uh, secondary school uh, students to make sure they don't have the virus. And if they do, then they will go home and self-isolate. We also announced on Tuesday uh, that we'll be testing all secondary school staff uh, every week. Uh, and any uh, close contact of somebody with, a, with the virus, whether pupils or staff in secondary schools, will be tested every day for seven days rather than having them self-isolate to, 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 to make sure that then they, they test negative. OK, so the good thing about this, of course, once kids are back, we're not going to be seeing whole year groups in their bubble being sent home because one child who they've probably never even spoken to has, has had, a, has had a, a positive COVID test. Oh, how are you going to roll out five and a half million tests for, for secondary school pupils? Are they initially just going to get one test on their first day back? Should those tests perhaps be sent home for parents to do instead uh, before they come back? Well, what's the plan? The plan is to test it, uh, to test the children in school. They'll have two tests, one with a three-day gap between the two tests. Our, our national priority is to keep education open and to keep as many children as possible in the classroom. That's what this is all about. So the, you are right at self-isolation. If one person tests positive in a, in a school, on average, about 24 pupils will be sent home to self-isolate. And we're trying to avoid that. We want as many young people in the classroom engaged with their education right. as possible. But although those kids are in the classroom already before they're getting tested, are they being tested before they walk in the building and not allowed in the building unless they've got a a negative test how's that going to work because once they're no, no, already they'll, they'll, in the building then i'm yes. not quite sure how it works well they will be in the building and then they'll be tested but all sorry, those sorry sorry i'm so sorry oh. I'm, I'm i'm really really confused about this okay I, i'm going well, on a plane tomorrow i've had to have a, a negative test to know that i'm safe to get on that plane there's not much point in me getting on the plane and going somewhere else and then being tested once sure the children should be tested before they come back to school no all those all those safety measures that we've put in place from the beginning from when school started to open, the hygiene, the staggered lunch breaks, the, the face masks in the corridors, the, the children facing 
ventilation of the front in classrooms, the ventilation, all those measures will still be in place in schools to keep to minimize the risk of the transmission within the school. But the testing itself will take place in the school. We're giving priority to those exam years, mm-hmm. year 11 and year 13. They'll be coming back on the 4th of January okay. back into school. They will be given priority for testing. Primary schools, of course, are going back as, as normal uh, on the 4th of January. And then all pupils will be going back into school on the 11th. And um, this is the thing, a little concern for a lot of people about pupils going back late, missing yet another week of school. Yes, yes, they're going to have online lessons. Well, good luck with that. Didn't that go so well during the first lockdown? We still haven't had all those iPads and laptops rolled out. We know lots of the schools that failed in the first lockdown, failed during the second lockdown, they'll fail again. Uh, And it's the most disadvantaged pupils. And I know this is something you and I have spoken about for many, many years. Uh, And I know this is something you've been passionate about for many years. And I never would doubt, honestly, your, your commitment on this issue. But the reality reality is a bunch of children millions of children not in school for yet another week is going to really damage their education well the quality of remote education has improved hugely as as schools have got used to uh, preparing they spent you know months preparing these remote education lessons they've been much higher quality than they were at the beginning of of the pandemic we've distributed over 200,000 computers before the summer, uh, another 100,000 since uh, September. We're committed to 340,000, well, about 500,000 by the time, but by the by the end of this uh, by the end of this calendar year. Uh, and any any school that needs a computer for a disadvantaged child who doesn't have one at home will have one within 48 hours. So a lot has happened since the early days of, of the pandemic in terms of remote education. But it's for five days, uh, and all children will be back on the 11th. This is about making sure that in the spring and the summer, more children are in school having lessons every day rather than having them self-isolated. In the spring and the summer. I mean, do you remember three weeks to protect the NHS and uh, back to normal by Christmas and now we're talking about in the spring and the summer? This is terrifying. I mean, let's bear in mind, by the way, children have to have two tests because these brilliant, oh-so-fantastic lateral flow tests miss uh, at least 30% of asymptomatic or pre-symptomatic people uh, in the first test. It's where you need a second one, which is a little bit worrying. Um, When are we going to go back? No test is absolutely Perfect. No, thirty no. percent failures are quite a big You get an, a result very rapidly. Yeah, no, no, I accept, but they only work if you have two. That's the reality, isn't it? Right, and they will be having two. Yeah, yeah, three days apart. So three days in the yes. classroom. With, yeah, okay. Well, I think a lot of people yeah, with all the safety measures in place uh, in yeah. the classroom. Well, the I mean, either classrooms are safe or they're not. I'm of the view they are safe. There's, well, lots of people talk about how it's the schools where this is all being spread. There's actually no evidence that children in each in, in any class who are getting it are spreading it to their classmates, is there? The, the, the evidence, yes, exactly. And whether it's coming to school, whether it's what they do at weekends and, and, and so on. But the truth is, the fact is that there is an increase in infections in this particular age group. And that's why we want to make sure that we test all secondary school people. This is already happening, actually, in uh, some of the northeastern boroughs of London, uh, in Kent and in, and in, yeah. pa- and in parts okay. of uh, Essex as well. I need to know when we're going to get back to normal, though, because we've had the, as Rishi Sinat, the Chancellor, extending the furlough scheme to the end of April. Now, it's brilliant that that helps going to be available for people who desperately need it though of course we've still got three million who are excluded from any of that help at all but there's talk of a third lockdown in england in january we've already got wales announcing their lockdown from the 28th of december which is what tier four is northern ireland having a lockdown from boxing day who are we kidding we're going to be in another lockdown even though every single lockdown we've had hasn't actually achieved what apparently it's supposed to achieve um is there any prospect, I mean, given that the vaccine is being rolled out and given that we were told that by Easter all the vulnerable and most elderly people would have had it, is there any prospect at any point next year that we might actually get life back to normal? Is that even well, on the government's agenda at any point? Absolutely. We, we are very close. 
but we're not there yet. And we're rolling out, uh, we're one of the first countries in the world to roll out the vaccines. 138,000 people have had that vaccine. So we are very, very close. The R rate now is between 0.9 and 1. It was over 3 back at the beginning of the pandemic. Don't underestimate what has been achieved, but we are dealing with a very virulent and very deadly virus. And the government will do whatever it takes to tackle that virus. And that's why we are rolling out testing to 5.5 million secondary school students. It's why we're testing all uh, secondary school staff. We will do everything we can. And the tiering system, which is the, the approach we're taking in this country, is being effective. You look at the northwest of this country that was, have been in tier three for a number of weeks, the infection rates there are falling very rapidly. The, the infection uh, rates we, were falling before they went into the tiering system. Well, the tiering system is very effective and we will move... The, no, well, no, no, will hold, move no, 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 no. I'm sorry, Nick, give... Um, we, we were in the tiering system in October and we were told it was very effective and we were told until we were told that it wasn't very effective and it failed and we had to go into a lockdown and now we're back into a tiering system again. We're constantly told tiering works until it doesn't, that lockdowns work until they don't and then we go back into a lockdown and then back into another tier. There is no route out of this. We're going to do this forever and ever and ever. When does it stop? When do we get back to normal life? When can people get back to their businesses, their jobs, their families, their lives, the right to go to a sodding pub when they want to, these tiny little freedoms that used to matter so much. Um, there is there is nothing in terms of the government agenda, the government's policies on this, that suggests there is any route out of this. It's lockdowns forever. It's called, it's called vaccination. Yeah, OK, so we've got a vaccine. We're the first country in the world to be rolling no, okay, out vaccines but Nick, in this country, And that's brilliant, so and you can keep repeating it, but it doesn't make 138,000 suddenly become 56 million, or does it? Look, the reality... So, but Nick, look... If, if the vaccine is going to be rolled out to all the vulnerable and elderly by Easter, which is what we've constantly been told, I've got at least three cabinet ministers who said that to me. Why on earth would we still need a furlough scheme at the end of April? Why on earth would you still be talking about whether schools can be normal in the summer? Why wouldn't they be? If the vaccine has been rolled out to the vulnerable and elderly, the death rate absolutely plummets. Everyone else can get back to normal life, taking the risks they take in normal life with normal viruses in, in, and, and, and the risks of crossing the road, etc, etc. Why is there even... the possibility that in April we will still need a furlough scheme. Because the economy, of course, will take longer than the virus to, to, to get back to normal. That's why it's important. This government has spent £200 billion protecting the economy. We've protected 12 million jobs through the furlough scheme at a cost of £56 billion. The IMF has praised this country. You're criticising it, but the, we've I'm... been praised around the world for our approach to how we tackle people and help protect their jobs. No, I've been, I, know, I think the furlough scheme has been brilliant. There are some people excluded. I'm not. That is one of the great successes. But, but we wouldn't need it if we allowed businesses to reopen. Well, it's a balance, isn't it, between protecting yes. the economy and tackling this virus. Yes, and, and the balance is everything. wrong. Well, I think the government has got the balance right. Do you? Uh, and Yes, I do. And it's focusing. We have masses of data now from the mass testing. We've tested 46 million. We've issued 46 million tests since the beginning of this process. We know where the infection rates are rising. We can focus our restrictions on areas that have the highest infection rates. You're going to focus our restrictions. Two thirds of the population of England as yes. of tomorrow are going to be in tier three. And you're calling that yes, we are that in focus. a very serious situation. Despite the fact the R rate is much lower now than it was back at the beginning of the 
pandemic, as I've said, we still saw last in the last week alone, 28% rising cases, 14% more. You tested more. Admissions. What was the rise in the number of tests taken? Because a huge rollout of extra tests. Amazingly, we haven't, we've not been given the positivity rate, what the percentage increase was of people getting tested, of those taking tests. That information is not publicly available for weeks on end. There's masses of information. That, 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 that information is not publicly every, available. No, that, well, that information every, is not publicly available. The masses of data is publicly available every day. We publish the infection rates every day. Uh, yesterday we had a figure the of The infection 000. rate is not the same. That No, no. What you publish is the case rate. You don't publish the percentage of people who take a test who are tested positive. That's a completely different number. Well, you can, you know, you can... You can I'm sorry for, I'm sorry for talking about detail. Every day you could sorry. go on the website every day. No, you can't. That information has a two-week... Nick, that information has a two-week time lag. So government ministers can say it's gone up by X percent, but we don't know what percentage more tests were taken, which is relevant to the number of extra positive tests, isn't it? Well, the government has been as transparent as it can be in terms okay. of publishing data. Uh, and we have capacity for half a million tests a day, about over 300,000 tests taken every day. We publish detail at local level of infection rates. You can tap in your local authority into the They're not infection rates, they're case rates. It's a completely different thing. Right, I'm going to leave it there because I know we're over time. Nick Gibb, look, I'm going to wish you a a good Christmas. I'm hoping we can get uh, some sanity in our schools again uh, when we come back in the new year. And I wish you all the best. And uh, thank you very much for joining us. Uh Talk Radio Breakfast with Julia Hartley Brewer and The Times. Be well informed. Well, let's talk to uh, Councillor Martin Tett, who's leader of Buckinghamshire Council, which is moving from Tier 2 to Tier 3 uh, from midnight. Good morning to you, Martin. Morning, Julia. Martin. Love the hat. Love oh, thank, the hat. You, thank you very much. Good to know you're watching. Um, I am <laughs> um, I mean, all very, very disappointing for those who are in Tier 3 hoping to go down. I would have thought even more disappointing, more of a shock for those who were thinking they'd stay in Tier 2, like Buckinghamshire moving in. Did you expect this or not? And had you been given any formal warning about it? We weren't given any formal warning. Uh, yeah, am I disappointed? Yeah, I'm gutted, quite frankly. Um, we went into the lockdown in Tier 1. Uh, we came out disappointingly at Tier 2. I set a local objective for, you know, I, I write once a week, sometimes twice a week to all our residents. Uh, I said, let's get back to Tier 1. Um, what I was aware of, quite frankly, is that the trends on the criteria the government set for determining tiers were moving in the wrong direction. Um, but I am really disappointed to be in Tier 3. And I'm very aware of the impact this is going to have on a lot of people's jobs and businesses. I mean, this is crucially it's hospitality, but we know the knock on effect on suppliers and the knock on effect even on the non-essential shops is huge because people simply aren't out and about. And it sends a signal uh, to stay home, which is what they wanted to do. But it does have a knock on effect on lots of businesses who are not technically speaking affected. Well, I mean, let's just remind people, I mean, it's not just Buckinghamshire, it's Bedfordshire, Berkshire, Peterborough, the whole of Hertfordshire, Surrey, with the exception of Waverley, Hastings and Rother on the Kent border of East Sussex, Portsmouth, Gosport. Haven't in Hampshire, all joining London, parts of Essex uh, in Tier 3 from, from tomorrow. Um, I think it's only Herefordshire that's been moved down one. Um, 2% of the country only in Tier 1. Uh, lots of people arguing, look, this is a version of lockdown in all but name, other than being able to go to the essential shops. Households can't mix. Uh, I mean, it's all very well saying people can mix outside in a public place. But I mean, you know, it, it's December. Let's be realistic. It's a great um, time of the year to meet outside, isn't it? You know, let's face it. Um, yeah, yeah, indeed. Yeah, I mean, I mean, let's, you know, Buckingham's just not alone. Let's, let's, you know, we're in a 
big swathe of territory now. You know, there's the north, there's the Midlands, there's now all the areas surrounding London. You know, this is having a big impact on the economy. And you, you mentioned, you know, the hospitality sector. It's not just the it's not just the restaurants, the pubs. It's their whole supply chain. So there's a lot of people who've been laying in food, stocking up now for the winter, particularly for the pre-Christmas period. You know, I've I've come across one restaurant that said they spent twenty thousand pounds on the food for the next couple of weeks for oh. their guests, all going down the toilet, quite frankly. So this is having a big impact on people's lives. And if I can just also just say hospitality but also you've got the events industry which have yep. virtually had no work now for nine months um and travel you know coach businesses bus businesses taxi drivers you know this is having an immense impact on the economy i mean you're you're a conservative you're a leader of buckinghamshire council um is this what you thought a conservative government would do because when i talk to ministers they'll say well this is what lots of other countries around the world are doing well yeah china started it um but just because another country does something doesn't necessarily mean that's the that's the thing to do and we've gone into a lockdown that was originally three weeks to you know suppress the virus and protect the nhs we're still in in and out in and out in and out of lockdowns at 10 months later who are we kidding? There's going to be a lockdown in January. I don't doubt that for a nanosecond. There'll probably be another one before Easter. Um, we were told we would be back to normal by Christmas. I mean, it doesn't feel normal to me. No Christmas parties, no life, no, you know, lots of people really struggling right now and losing work. Um, is, is this what you expect of the government which you support? <laughs> I wish I had a pound for every time I've been asked that question. It's a tricky one. And I'm, I'm going to be frank with you. Um, I wouldn't want to be in government at the moment. I think they're dealing. I with would. Some... I'd love to be in charge right now. Yeah, I'm sure you would. I, mean, I, you know, I know what you say on Twitter, so I sort of I, I follow. You know, Ninety-nine times out of hundred, I agree with you. This one, I think, is really tricky. You know, they're dealing with a pandemic which no one has experienced for a hundred years. You know, we've no we've no record really of how to anticipate this. You know, if yeah, you're taking no, that, it, that's not hang true. Hang on, that, you that's asked me a question. Let me true. finish. Let me finish. Shoot me down in five seconds time. Right, but you know, you've got a situation where you take a decision one week, then you see the trends move completely differently, very rapidly. So, a decision about you know opening up at Christmas taken three weeks ago might have seemed reasonable. You know, now in the light of the new information, they've had to modify that. You know, everybody in government is dealing with a split society. This is about like leave and remain all over again. I get a mailbag that's half full of people telling me that the restrictions don't go far enough. They want me to crack down on people who are following the rules. You know, they want me to go out and get the police to arrest people in the streets. On the other hand, the other half of my mailbag is a bit like you're saying, you know, there's people saying, why the hell are you telling me how to live my life? You know, I can make my own decisions. I'm a grown up, you know, to hell with the government's rules. I'm just going to get out there and do what I want. So. I think the government's in a really tough place on this. Uh, they are in a tough place. I mean, lots of people said, you know, you know I, I mean, I've said before, you know, I wouldn't want to have to be the person making the initial decisions. And I understood why they did what they did in the first lockdown. But but again, as I said earlier on the show, definition of insanity is doing the same thing again and again and expecting a different outcome. We have had time to prep uh, and, and knowledge to prepare for this. World Health Organization has guidelines issued only in 2019 about how to deal with the pandemic in different circumstances. We've had SARS, we've had MERS. We have flu outbreaks that are much more serious some years. 48,000 people died. Uh, in the flu pandemic of 2000. Don't even remember even writing about it at the time, frankly. There are different choices. And the key thing here is that... Um 
is that we're constantly told, well, the government is forced to act, is forced to do something, but they're not forced. It's a choice. And, and a lot of us feel very powerless that you know, we're, you know, we're, we've only got a vote and we haven't got what, local elections. We've got a vote. And then in 2024, we've got a general election vote. We can't do anything about it. Short of people not break, not, not obeying the law. Well, I can't endorse people not obeying the law. I think you know, we, should, we, should, we should obey the laws. That's a mark of a civilised society. But we don't have any power to change this. People like you do, though. When, when local Tory council leaders do actually say to governments, you know, this is not acceptable. This cannot continue. You've got to reopen the economy. We need to learn to live with this virus that's going to be with us forever. The lockdowns haven't worked. The tier restrictions haven't worked. We testing, mass testing hasn't worked. We need to get back to normal life. When is, when is that going to happen? Well, I you know, again, you're asking my personal view on this. And the, the thing I've said publicly is I think the big hope is the vaccine. Candidly, I agree with you, by the way. I think there will be some form of you can call it a third lockdown. You can call it what you like. I think there will be a third wave after Christmas. I think that's almost inevitable. Um, I there think won't we, be a third yeah. wave. There'll just be a third lockdown. Well, I, I think we're seeing a situation where after Christmas, there will be a, a further uptick in terms of infection rates, etc. I think there will be some form of you can call it tier four, if you like, but I think there'll be some additional restrictions coming after Christmas. I think the NHS is under pressure. I know we can debate that. You know, I understand people give me different statistics on this. I talk almost daily with our local NHS. They tell me they're on their knees. Now, you know, we can debate that again. But if you look at the trends, I think there'll be a surge after Christmas. I think this is almost inevitable. I think the only real hope on the horizon is the vaccine. And it's not just the Pfizer vaccine, which is rolling out now. 170,000 people currently on their first wave of inoculations. But it's got to be the Oxford vaccine. We, we need yeah. mass supplies of this rolled out really quickly. And if I was the government, I'd be putting everything behind the logistics and the clinical support behind getting this out really fast in the new year. Absolutely. That is our best hope. But again, I, I, I'm really worried we can have this conversation again in late April and we'll be discussing the same thing, although I won't wear such a silly hat when I do it. Councillor Martin Tett, I wish you all the best. Thank you very much. And the good people of Buckinghamshire uh, facing tier three as of midnight tonight and all those many businesses desperately trying to stay afloat. We are fighting for you. We're doing our best. But Talk Radio Breakfast with Julia Hartley Brewer and The Times. Know your times. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This man, Professor Carol Sakura. He's Dean of Medicine at the University of Buckingham, former head of the World Health Organization Cancer Program, of course. Good morning to you, Carol. Good morning, Julia. Oh, such a pleasure. You honestly, you have been a shining star through all of this. When I was sitting there locked in my spare room during three months of a lockdown working from home in my PJs, uh, your voice was one of the voices of just calm reason that kept me going. So thank you so much for that. Pleasure. I enjoyed talking to you for oh, the well. year. <laughs> right. He says in the hope that I never have to talk to her again in the new year. I mean, there's so many so many guests I've thought, well, you know, this is just for a few months and then we'll get back to normal. We always seem to be on the brink of getting back to normal with another promise of getting back to normal, but we never do. You, of course, are very proudly a signatory of the Great Barrington Declaration, which has called for us to get back to normal for the vast majority of people, not those who are elderly, not those who are vulnerable, not those who are first in line for the vaccine rollout, but for other people, businesses, individuals, schools, everyone else, to get back to as much normal life as possible. Do you ever think that's going to happen? I think it's going to happen by default. Uh, I mean, what, when you look at it now, there's an interesting paper in Science yesterday looking at the number of people in the United States that have actually been infected. And it's probably running at about 20% of the population. And then there's another 10% that have got immunity to old coronaviruses that cross immunity with this virus. So once you start vaccinating, you can see you don't have to vaccinate a lot of people to get above 60%. And that means the virus poops out. So can we do this by the summer? We could if we tried. I mean, the trouble is everything this government has touched turns to dust in their hands by the look of things. Test and trace, the, the, the quarantine on arrival, testing on arrival and so on. Nothing seems to work. And, you know, it is, to me, pretty pathetic that we've only done about 150,000 people on vaccination. Yeah. I mean, you know, we've, we've known this is coming. We've known the vaccine's coming. We'll be swamped with vaccines. And yet it seems to be very difficult to give it. Yeah. I mean, even with even with the cold chain storage issues with the Pfizer vaccine, which yeah. I mean, I really understand you know, when that Oxford AstraZeneca one, as I'm sure it will get approval, slightly eff- less efficacious. But hey, you know, anything is better than nothing, uh, certainly for the elderly and the vulnerable who, who most uh, are at risk of dying of the virus. Then, then, you know, get get it out and get it into people's arms. But I, I've been arguing with cabinet ministers for the last uh, few months. But well, if we do get a vaccine, are you ready to roll it out? You know, have you got the army sanitizing? their poised vaccination yeah. centres ready, just ready to go. Literally thousands upon thousands of people ready. I'll volunteer to give out the vaccine. Give me some PPE. I'll start handing out the vaccine. It can't be beyond the wit of man to put a jab into someone's arm, for goodness sake. Yeah. Um, there's lots of retired nurses, my wife included. They've been given their certificate again, ready to go. They could just do it tomorrow. They, they, do, they do, you know, 500 patients each tomorrow. That would get through thousands. You've got to do it quicker than we're doing it. 
especially next month when the other, the Moderna vaccine gets licensed and is ready to go, and then the Oxford one will get licensed. So there's plenty of vaccine. It's the logistics and the chain to get it out there that's missing. Yeah, and again, and them saying, well, we've only just got the vaccine. Well, no, but you knew you were going to get it at some point, having it already, pressing that button. And it's a lot of, it's about the forward planning a lot of the time, isn't it? And this is what I think makes a lot of people despair, because I was totally very alarmed when I saw that uh, Rishi Snack had extended the furlough scheme to the end of April. Like, first of all, when it was extended to March, I'm like, well, hold on a minute. Why do we need it in March? What are you talking about? It does seem very likely. I mean, we know Wales and Northern Ireland already announced they're going to, if, to all intents and purposes, uh, lockdowns again just after Christmas. Who are we kidding? Even if there wasn't a, a problem with testing or anything in the UK, sorry, in England, we'll go into a third lockdown because we just always do what everyone else does. Um, and, and, then, and then we just start this all over again. And of course, what happens after we come out of lockdown? Well, the cases will go up again because of course they will. That's what happens after every lockdown. And then everyone will say, oh, we're in a crisis again and we'll be in tier restrictions. Um, other than other than getting enough people vaccinated who are elderly and likely to possibly be hospitalised or die of this virus, um, do you see any other route out of it? Because for a lot of people, we think it, this is a political decision to come out of this rather than a scientific decision, isn't it? It is, and it's to do with the NHS being flooded. So at the moment, there are 18,000 people said to be in the NHS in beds in hospitals that have COVID. Now, that doesn't mean they're in there only because of COVID. Some of them, almost certainly the majority, are in there because they're elderly and they've got other problems, including other chest problems and heart problems. So it's not so simple to say that 15% of the total bed capacity of the NHS is, is given over to COVID. Yeah. It, it's, it's they're they're people who have, t- often they're people, we know something like 20, I think the latest official figures, 25% of people with COVID in hospital, well, who had a COVID positive test, have caught it while in hospital. Exactly. And you know, what's the way out? That's what we're all searching for. I, I've tried to be positive. It's difficult to get positive at the moment. Christmas, talking about cancelling Christmas. You wouldn't have thought that was possible when you first started talking earlier this year. And going forward, how's it going to happen? What's going to happen? Well, the vaccine will roll out slowly. It'll probably take six months to get it out there. Uh, even though I'm relatively elderly, certainly more senior than you, Julia. And uh, uh, I'll be fairly down the bottom of the list. It always is the same. My wife gets it before me and she's younger than me. I mean, it's it's, uh, the (laughs) flu vaccine. So why wouldn't it be different from this? And uh, I think as we go into the new year, uh, people will start behaving differently, I suspect. And that's the fear that if if you don't let people have Christmas, at least a, a tokenism of Christmas, they will behave differently after. They'll get fed up, basically. People do get fed up. I, I, it's a great. I'm, my big hope is, is genuinely the British public. I don't want people breaking the law, but the British public no. will just say, up with this, we will not put any more. And we just simply insist that the government stops all the madness. Yeah. And, you know, a pandemic ends when the public say it has ended. And, uh, you know, the, the Christmas read I can recommend to you is Albert Camus' book, The Plague. La Peste in French. He was a, uh, an Algerian writer. And it's a mythical story. It's not a, a real story. It took place in 1947 in Algeria, in obviously French Algeria at the time. And uh, it is an amazingly depressing book. If you really want to be depressed, that's the greatest Christmas. Oh. Then you wake up and it's not too bad out there. Oh, they were. Thanks for that Christmas recommendation, Professor Carol Sakura. I know I speak for every single one of my listeners and everyone on the team here at Talk Radio. Thank you so much for everything you've done for this country, for the people of this country, everything you've done to try and uh, try and, and, and encourage sanity on the front of dealing with this pandemic.
pandemic. You have been an absolute star. You will be on the right side of history, I am sure. Thank you so much and have a lovely Christmas, you and yours. Professor Carol Sakura there. Thanks for listening to the Julia Hartley Brewer Daily. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe and give me a good review. And don't forget to catch me on the Talk Radio Breakfast Show every weekday from 6.30 until 10. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.